Dear Lord, we thank you for Graham. We thank you that he has spent time this week just listening to you and, and finding out what you want him to say this morning, Lord. And I just pray that you will um, leave us open um, to what he has to say. Um, and yeah, Lord, just bless him this morning. Amen. Uh, we're carrying on with the series we started two weeks ago, four in this series. This is a series born out of something God has said to us about our priorities so it's a brief recap, four priorities picked out of the, the part of the, the, the journey of God's people as they went into the promise that God had for them, a promise that they as a people had held for hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years, and they'd been prevented from stepping into this promise for a variety of reasons. I don't need to go into that now, but there were, as I was reading this, there were four things that that stood out for me. One was moving in the impossible. Two, giving and serving. Three, the next generation. And four, um, the Spirit and the Word of God working together. And we started that two weeks ago. If you didn't hear me talk about that, I really do recommend that you listen to it. Not because I think everybody needs to listen to me, but because uh, they're really important stages for and principles for what we are moving into. And if we're moving together, we need to be agreed on those. We need to be talking to the Lord about those. We need to hear him for ourselves so that we can align ourselves with those, so that we can agree with those things, and so that we know where we're going and we know what's going on. So this is, this is the second one. And this comes out of an interesting part of the, the story. Uh, I'll read a, a little, bit out, little bit to you very Briefly, this is Deuteronomy chapter 3, it's verse 18, if you want to turn to it. But by the time you've turned to it, I'll probably have read it. Um, so uh, I'll give you a bit of a background in case uh, the story's not very familiar to you, which would be quite understandable. So God's people moving northwards up through the, the, the Middle East, and they're moving past the, the Dead Sea, so they're going up the right-hand side of the, the Dead Sea, going through a number of, of territories, and... They get to uh, the Jordan, and then to the right of the Jordan, there's this whole lush land that they've, uh, they've beaten the, the people that were uh, looking after the land that thought it was theirs, and uh, God's people, uh, in a sense, have taken possession of this land. But it's not part of the promise. It's not part of what God had laid out for their ancestors hundreds of years before. Nonetheless, God's people have grown so numerous and they've got cattle and sheep and uh, all kinds of livestock and they need space so a number of them say hey look Moses we really like this bit of land here could we stay here please and Moses said yeah okay you can do that that's all right but you have got to help your brothers and sisters take possession of their bit of land on the other side of the Jordan so all the men of fighting age, even though you're establishing your families here on this side of Jordan, you are going to have to lead your brothers and sisters over the Jordan, and you're going to have to fight with them until they've taken the whole of the land, which actually took about five years. Uh, it was an incredible kind of commitment to make, because they could have said, no, forget it, we're just going to split off from Israel, we're going to stay here. But they didn't, and they they helped the rest of their nation take that land, and then they, they went back home. 
And what I felt God speaking to us out of that was about service and giving. These people served. They didn't just say, no, no, we, we want to establish our own farms and our homes and, and take over these cities. We want to get comfortable. We've had 400 years of slavery. We've had 40 years of wandering around this desert. Uh, we want to be here. We want to be comfortable. And Moses said, yeah, you can be comfortable, but there's something else to do first. You need to serve and you need to give. And that's what they did. So this theme that we've picked out of this uh, story is about serving and giving let me read this to you from Matthew 20 this is Jesus talking to his disciples Uh, I'll read a bit more Uh, the mother of James and John the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with, with her sons and she knelt respectfully to ask a favor What's your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right, the other on your left. Remember, they still think they're talking about a physical kingdom. They're not talking about kingdom in the way that we understand it. They think they're talking about a physical kingdom coming back, Jesus coming as king to rule uh, the nation. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you just don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We can do that. Uh, Lots of enthusiasm. Don't you love a bit of enthusiasm? Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I haven't got the right to say who's going to be on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. Then uh, 10 other disciples, when they heard it, uh, they were indignant. But Jesus called them all together and he said, look, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and their officials flaunt their authority to those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. For even the son of man, so he's talking to himself, uh, talking about himself, even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man, the incarnation of God walking around on the earth, didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give. It's the nature of God to serve and to give. That's what God is like. What's God like? He serves and he gives. What are his people called to be like? We're called to be like him. How do we become like him? We become like him through serving and giving. Our service and our giving is not in order to earn salvation. It's the fruit of salvation. It is a supernatural response within us to serve and to give. It's not an option. It's not something, oh, well, maybe I could do that if I've got time, if I can fit it around, or if I can, I can organize my, my life and my resources in order to be able to do that. It is the, na- the natural, the supernatural response that God calls from us. I have um, a good friend who, uh, his family foster teenagers, and uh, they've had four kids, all 
grown up and gone off and doing other things. And he's, uh, he is a bit younger than me, just a year or so younger than me, so he's quite old. And um, he, he leads the church and, and has done for, I don't know, 30 years or more. And he went home uh, recently, he was telling me this, and they normally only have one teenager. They had two teenagers in at the time, and one of those teenagers had a boyfriend. So uh, he went back, and uh, there were just lots of teenagers hanging around the home, watching TV, lounging around the, um, uh, the, the sitting room. And, and he went through there, said hi, went through there into the kitchen and chatted with his wife and just said, I'm not coping. I'm just not coping. There's too much going on. There's too many teenagers with all their issues and, and you know, needs and so on. And she said, well you're just going to have to become more like Jesus, aren't you? I mean, where do you go with a response like that? <laughs> what do you do? He looked at me and I said, yeah, Mark, you need to become more like Jesus. Because it's in serving and giving and the demands that come upon us in that that the challenge of discipleship, the challenge of a mortal life inhabited by the immortal God that's where the rubber hits the road. That's not a biblical phrase, you know, but it ought to be. Ultimately, it's a response of love. You know, we've all, we've all done things and we've all served and so on, and, and at times we've done it begrudgingly. And we just, oh, I'm going to do this anyway. You know, whether, whether it's you know, well, whatever situation it's in doesn't really matter for examples, but we, we all know that experience. But actually, we know that when we're doing something out of response to the Spirit of God, we have to find His help in order to love through it. We can't do it without that kind of flow of His life. You know, we've just, I mean, we're not a week away from the uh, the Queen's funeral, and, and all through the time leading up to that, I was, I, I watched quite a lot of it, and I watched people walking past her coffin in Westminster Hall, and I was just trying to, to get a feel for what was going on in our nation, and why so many people were grieving. Why did more than half the population of this nation and of the world watch her funeral on Monday? And, and I decided it's because of grief, but you only feel grief like that when you have really loved somebody and felt loved. And I, I just suddenly saw that somehow through her own walk with God, she had the capacity to help people feel loved. And that's why people were upset. You possibly all saw this as you watched people filing past this this uh, coffin and you saw people as they walked down the steps into Westminster Hall and um, could see what was going on and approach the, the coffin and you could see people breaking with emotion because of, I mean, okay, it was a you know, slightly charged situation but people had queued up for six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve hours to do that. You know, you, you don't go through that kind of um, experience of queuing, even if you're British, 
just because you you want to you know walk past the the coffin and you get about you know, about three or four seconds in front of it, and then if you stood there too long, then some um, uh, some of the the folks would come and ask you to keep moving because there were so many people who wanted to to get through. And firstly, I don't know I don't know how somebody enables so many people to feel loved, but I did recognise that. It was this sense of the love she had as she served people through her life, 70 years and then longer, even before she became queen. And, you know, uh, I'd never met her, and probably most of us never met her. And our experience of her, even if we, we had met her, was possibly quite formal and... Um, it wasn't close and it wouldn't have been long term and yet there was something in that now that's what we want to carry in our hearts as we continue to work out the mission of Jesus on the earth serving and giving there's something that goes on in us in our interaction with him as we do this, I've noticed, I've noticed this happening quite a lot to myself recently. I don't know if you've had this experience. It'll be usually when I'm on my own, having some kind of devotional time of one sort or another, and you know, I may be worshipping or praying or something, and uh, sometimes in the congregation as well. And it, I get so caught up in my interaction with God that I get I'm almost in tears because I want to love him more and I don't have the capacity to do that I just don't have the the human capacity within me to respond to his divine initiative in my life and yet there's something within me that wants me to be able to to give more and I I find myself saying to him, Lord, I just, I just want to love you more. I want to, I want to know how to be able to give more of myself to you because you, what you have done in my life is so worthy of my response, and my response seems so inadequate and and paltry and and cheap, so so shallow almost. Even though, you know, I might feel well, I been following you a long time and I've done this and I've done that and I've tried to respond the comparison between him and me is just so overwhelming that I, I just I don't know what to do with it and yet I know that I just want to to keep going so my I know the changes going on in my heart are leading me closer to him in that response and hopefully Fulfilling his word, which is that I'll be transformed into his likeness, that I will become more like Jesus, just as we all are, and we're all seeking to be, so that we are not just the, the total of our experiences. There is something beautiful and wonderful and divine at work within us that enables us to live as in the way that he originally intended and not as as eroded and marred and and disfigured by the impact of sinfulness in 
in our lives and in, in the world and the things that, that salvation is uh, kind of helping us get free from. Sorry, I keep pausing because I've just completely gone off track, but I, I'm going where I want to go. So I'm just collecting my thoughts here. If you read through, if you get one of those clever um, apps that looks at the Bible for you and you, you put in the word give and you start to read through them, you'll see that 90% of the giving that goes on in the Bible is God. It's him giving stuff. He gives he gives joy, he gives salvation, he gives peace, he gives love, and, and so on. Uh, just one example here out of Psalm 21. Uh, how the king, that's the earthly king, rejoices in your, God's, strength, O Lord. Uh, he shouts with joy because you give him victory. So here's the king, he's got his army, he's got his, his weapons and his, his chariots and his horses and everything, but he, where does his victory come from? He knows it comes from God. Uh, you have given him, the king, his heart's desire. You've withheld nothing he requested. There seems to be a lot of giving going on there, and it's, it's all coming from God. So our response is to, to give back. We give our service. We give our love. We give our financial resources. We give our time. We, we give whatever we can. We're all sitting here this morning because people gave. Do you know it takes 23 people to to run a meeting 23 people so if you turn up at 10:15 for a coffee uh, most of those tasks done by those 23 people are already done um, that's why personally I think we should all be doing it if you're part of this this body everybody should be should be doing something there are some tasks that everybody can do there are some tasks that you need a bit more um, knowledge or skill to do but something like setting chairs out I mean even I can do that you know, and I'm not very skilled at it. Everybody can do that. If you're not, if you're physically capable of, capable of doing that and you're not doing it, then ask yourself why. Why, why am I not doing it? Is it just because it's a bit inconvenient for me? Because I don't want to get there early. Um, it's a Sunday morning, I want to lie in, or I don't, don't feel like going every time. And oh no, I'm on a rotor. I've got to go here and, and I don't really want to. And you know, I'd rather just go and have breakfast or brunch or whatever. You know, it's. It's a bit inconvenient, I realise that. I mean, it's inconvenient not having our own building. It's inconvenient not being able to come here to the same place every week. I was chatting with um, Rachel beforehand saying, yeah, it is, isn't it? It's just frustrating. I wish we had our own building. I wish we could be somewhere, the same place, every week. I wish when visitors came one week and they say, we're going to be next week, and you're left scratching your head going, uh, hang on, let me just think. You know, I wish it wasn't that way, but I can't change that. We're doing everything we can to, to work with that, but just ain't happening very quickly. But I also know that in the serving and the giving of myself to that task, in the role that I've been called to, and I know it's the same for everybody else, there's more transformation taking place than if everything were running smoothly and, uh, um, and it were going according to, to plan. I've been uh, trying to work out... Ooh. I've been trying to work out what it means to, to follow Jesus for a few years now. And I have found that I've learned more when he's asking me to do things and to give things uh, that I don't want to give or do. Uh, that's the truth. If it's inconvenient to me, it's probably better for me. Just... 
no, there have been lots of stuff that I've, I've had to, to work out and just say, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm not enjoying this. I, I went to something yesterday. I came home late. Um, everything hurt. I was tired. I was supposed to be speaking this morning. I was struggling with too much rubbish I was carrying out the car. And, and I, it was just one of those moments standing on the doorstep of the house trying to find the key in my pocket. And there was just a whole load of things in my head. And I just said, I'm fed up! said it quietly because you, um, I didn't want to be too loud about it. But I recognized in that moment, here I am. I'm about to try and tell everybody else that, uh, you know, the virtues of of trying to do it when, when it's not working well. And here I am, and things aren't working well. And God's working on my character in that. And God will work on your character. Okay, let's be practical about this. I think everybody, everybody in, in the church anywhere, and particularly in, in this one, you should be serving somewhere. This is not serving because it's your, your ministry, not serving because you want to become more prophetic or anything else. But I'll tell you something, you won't become more prophetic. You won't grow in your, your healing gifts. None of that will happen unless you've got heart to serve, unless what you're doing is to, to love people. So last Sunday we met, we had a great time. Uh, we had a couple of words of knowledge. We prayed for people. God did impossible things. We were talking about impossible things two weeks ago. At least two people, possibly more, but, uh, but at least two people I know of, really touched by God in ways that humans can't do. You know, people are physically healed and got their minds being touched by God and their emotions. And, uh, but that only comes because we're a community that love and serve and give. We only see the impossible when we love people enough to step out and take the risks to do it. We've got this Serving Sunday next week. It, uh, really, it's an opportunity for people to respond and to, you know, if you lead a team or you're in charge of an area of life in the, the church, then, then turn up for lunch, bring some food, turn up, talk to people, and tell people uh, what they can do to serve, how they can do it. What do you need to do to put chairs up? You need to turn up early enough before all the other people to put the chairs up. What do you need to do to be on van duty? You need to turn up even earlier to pack the van. You need to stay a bit later to, to unload the van. You know, it's not complicated. It's not rocket surgery. But it's a joke there. You can laugh at that if you want. Or not, as the case may be. you just got to do it. Helping with the children. Let me just, we're going to, four weeks' time, uh, we're going to talk about the next generation. But uh, we've, we've, got, we've got some real problems in the church at the moment. One of the biggest things that uh, the leadership and Liz and others on the team have been trying to work out over the last few months is how do we get everything done? Because people are just not as available as they were, either because they're just not around or, or because they're just not as available. So we're really struggling to to keep the, um, the, the things that we do in the church just ticking over and doing stuff. Like with, uh, with the junior church. You know, we're struggling. This is our next generation. These are the ones that, that God is pouring his life into and um, we, we're struggling to, to serve them. I mean, if you're a parent, if you're a parent, don't outsource that aspect of your parenting. And get involved. Get involved in what's going on. Okay.
Uh, I better hurry up and move on. Uh, just want to say a bit about giving because one of the other areas that um, is, is tough for us at the moment, uh, because it's tough for everybody, is just making ends meet financially. Um, we're, we're not going to hit our budget this year. We, we're going to be in a, we're in a, a deficit budget at the moment. We're, we are... Um, we're short about £1,000 a month through this year. Uh, now, that was the same last year, but we, we had a specific offering and we also had a very unexpected gift. Um, it's tougher this year. It's tougher for everybody. I don't, I don't have to tell you that. You all know that. But we, we are struggling and we've, we've cut back as much as we can. But um, we're just saying, Lord, help us. Help us out here. You know, what do we do? Do we... Must be important. Uh, what, what... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's somebody with a... Maybe somebody wanted to give us a huge gift, so um, answer it, just in case. Uh, you know, what, what do we do here? Do we... Uh, I mean, there are not many areas where we can cut money without really cutting what we're, we're trying to do. Um, unless we make, just make people unemployed. That, that's a simple way to do it. Um, um, but we, we believe God's called us to act in a certain way, so we're moving forward, trusting that he's going to, to meet the needs in some way. Uh, we have a giving uh, opportunity coming up soon for all the local ministries that we support, at least three of which are housed here uh, in this building. Um, and I don't know how you respond to that, but when I know it's coming up, I go away and I talk to the Lord and I say, okay, how, how much can I give? Not, I don't look at my accounts and say, how much have I got? I start by asking the Lord, how much can I give? Because I figure he knows my accounts. Uh, and he also knows his capacity to enable me to be generous. He also knows what's going on in my heart. He also knows what he's trying to teach me. So he... Uh, you know, and over the years, I've, I've tried to get better at this, but I, I ask him and I get a sense of a figure and I go, what, how much? I can't afford that much. And, and then I try negotiating with him and sometimes he lets me negotiate, but other times I'm just saying, no, that's how much I want to give. I want to trust you. I want to, I want to abandon myself to you because you've given yourself in abandonment to me. Um, and really, I'm, I put at the, uh, the top of my, my, uh, my few notes here, uh, will I have any friends left after this talk? Uh, because I just want to challenge us to the core about how much we hold back from God. Um, and you know, I'm not recommending anything other than you talk to God about what you're doing and respond to what he says. Um, you know, we've never had a, a kind of a, a strict teaching about tithing in the church, about giving 10%. Um, um, I, I, don't, I don't think you can, you can argue that. It's something I do, and then I give on top of that. But it's not something we're insistent about. But it is something we want people to pray about because I know that in my financial generosity, those have been the most challenging points for me uh, because it's always been 
you know, I, I've never been in a situation where there was a lot of money coming in. So it's, uh, it's just been a different issue for me. But I know it's in that that I've grown. My heart has been molded by God and I never, ever, ever want to be in the situation where my heart is not open to being molded by him. I need to keep a soft heart. I need to keep it malleable because I won't be able to respond to him. I won't be able to have his word speak into my life if my, uh, my attitudes get hardened.